Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Red Leg Nation. I'm your host, Doug Gray from RedMinorLeague.com. Tonight I'm joined by two writers from RedLegNation.com. We've got Jason Linden with us and Chad Dawson with us. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm doing okay, I guess. <laughs> Just okay? Well, I'm sure we'll get into uh, the reasons for my uh, frustration uh, in a little while. All right, well. I'm uh, not frustration. It's just then now. Just accept it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody knows what we're talking about. Um, earlier this week, the Reds decided to stick Aroldis Chapman back into the bullpen. Um, you know, it's a move that they kind of been going back and forth uh, with all spring, depending on who you were asking. But it seems that somebody won, or they all eventually agreed that Aroldis Chapman to the closer position instead of a starting pitcher was the move that they wanted to make. Um, you know, that kind of puts an end to all the speculation, which I actually think is really good for the team. But I don't agree with the move. But it's it's made. Um, it's done. And it, it also settled the whole situation for Mike Leake, who's going to be a four-short starter now instead of, you know, I don't even know what role he would have been in otherwise if, you know, Shannon had been the number five starter. Um, what's what's your whole take on everything now that it's settled, Chad? Wait a minute, we're talking about Chapman? I thought we were talking about college basketball. That's what I was frustrated about. Um, you uh, you threw a curveball to me here. I didn't realize we'd be talking about Chapman tonight. As a Georgetown uh, grad, uh, I don't want to talk about basketball. So really, actually, this makes me happy. Um, well, obviously, I'm frustrated with the decision to put uh, Chapman back in the bullpen. And not because Chapman's not going to succeed at, uh, in the bullpen. He'll be fine. As a matter of fact, he'll be better than fine. He'll be great. The bullpen is going to be fantastic. The Reds are still going to be a good team. Um, you know, wonderful. But I'm just going to, all season long, wonder what might have been. You know, starting pitchers, I don't think it's even a, uh, even, uh, I'm not sure anyone wants to argue the question of whether starting pitchers are more valuable uh, than even elite relievers, as Chapman is and will be. Um, I just, I don't understand the need to, uh, why not try him? That's, that's That's my whole thing. Why not try him? None of the uh, arguments for not trying him make any sense to me um, because it, to me it always looked like if it didn't work, you send him back to the bullpen, no, you know, no harm done. Uh, I just, I'm very frustrated. It seems like all of the uh, strong arguments uh, as to what would make this team better, uh, all of them fall on the, on the, in the camp of putting Chapman in the rotation. I'll rant a little more later, but I'm very interested to hear what uh, what our buddy Jason might have to say about this. Um, well, I think one thing that's interesting, and Doug, I think he used the word speculation and putting me in, putting me into speculation. And what's interesting to me is that I don't think there really was any speculation until really until Baker came out, and then shortly later Chapman came out with saying that he he wanted to close, and Baker saying that he wanted Chapman to close. Until then, it was there's a plan. You know, we heard from Brian Price; he wouldn't say what the plan was, but there's a plan. There's nothing other than Chapman will start from the front office. Um, Things were kind of up in the air for Mike Leake. I kind of think most of us had him in kind of the swing man role, probably long man to start. Um, 
And then, you know, and this is something that I think is overlooked. People got really used to how healthy that rotation was last year, and the chances of that happening again are pretty much zero. I mean, at some point, sometime in this season, they're going to need a sixth starter, probably even a seventh starter. And then the question is, who do you want? Do you want Mike Leake coming in? You know, okay, get yourself stretched out. Now you're now you're back in your normal role. Or do you want to have to call somebody up, you know, uh, Tony Singrani maybe from the minors who, you know, is he ready? Is he not ready to be a starter on the majors? I don't think any of us really know that yet, and I don't know if we want to find it out yet either. Yeah, I mean, oh, did you have something else that you wanted to? No, no, there? go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I see both sides of the of the whole decision. Um, you know, what confuses me, I guess, is you brought it up, Jason. You know that they had really seemed committed to the plan until about two weeks ago, which, you know, it, that that's what really confuses me the most is that it seemed like. They had their plan, and they hadn't really said anything or wavered one way or the other until Dusty started speaking out, which I, he has been spoken out about since the very beginning. Since he got a hold of Chapman in 2010, you know, he's been a guy that's been saying he wants him in the bullpen. And I, I can understand that from his point of view, but I, I just I feel that the front office caved for some reason, and I don't want to speculate as to why, despite the fact I've got my ideas. Um but, you know, I think that you brought up an interesting point as to, you know, what we would do when we do need a starter if they had gone the Chapman route. Um, you know, I think that, you know, there could certainly be worse options in calling up one of Singrani or Corsino from AAA. Um, I don't think either one of them is ready to start in the major leagues right now. Um, but I think that, you know, you could certainly do worse than having either one of those guys come up, you know, in April or May to fill in for a few starts if you needed to. But, uh, yeah, that, well, that's – go ahead. I was going to say something that's very interesting to me with respect to exactly what you all are talking about is the Reds made this call this week and said Chapman's going back to the bullpen. And in the last two days, we've had two starting pitchers, uh, Bronson Arroyo and Matt Latos, take line drives uh, off their body in uh, different places. Neither of them looks like are actually going to be injured, but what happens if one of those guys, what happens if, if uh, Matt Latos had broken his ankle or something, uh, you know, uh, broken his foot? You know, and immediately he, we know he's out for two months. What, my, what's interesting to me is what would the Reds have done in that instance? Uh, you talk about a, a, sort of an amusing scenario to watch. I'm not sure how they would respond. Would they immediately reverse course? And would they have said that uh, Chapman's back in the rotation? Uh, what would they have done? I, I'm, I'm very, very happy that neither Latos or Arroyo uh, seem to be uh, hurt, uh, at least not long-term hurt. But uh, yeah, I, that would have been a fascinating scenario to watch. And, and it's going to happen at some time soon. It may even happen as early as April. Uh, you know, like Jason said, the Reds got lucky last year. Teams don't get as lucky as the Reds do. They, if it weren't for a you know sort of a day-night doubleheader when they had to use uh, an extra pitcher, they would have had just the five starters go all season long last year. It's not going to happen this year. You know, Brian Price is great, and, and uh, Doc Hollywood, Tim Krimchek's keeping them healthy, wonderful. It ain't going to happen again. Uh, what do they do in April when somebody goes down for two months uh, in the rotation? Well, and, that, and, you know, the the key there is, you know, in April, once you know, if, it would have been really amusing, like you said, in, in a certain way if it had happened somewhere in the last two days. 
you know, obviously we don't want either of those pitchers to get hurt, but it would have been interesting just to see what how would the Reds handle it. But then once you get into the season, I, I don't know about you all, but I can't imagine them stretching Chapman out and sticking him back in the rotation. Like, I just can't conceive of it. And so then, you know, you're kind of, just to re- repeat what I said, you're kind of taking your potential talent level in the rotation down a notch. Um, and I just, you know, I'm baffled. That's what I am. It's true, you I, I know, think it uh, a rotation with, uh, you know, I guess the rotation minus Chapman if somebody gets hurt, uh, you're talking about taking it down a significant notch. Uh, certainly, and this is sort of hard to conceive, I'm not even sure that I can articulate it the way I want to, but uh, you, you, that rotation taken down a notch is much, to me, uh, it's a much bigger hit than you take by removing Chapman from the bullpen because we've got a bunch of good relievers out there. Uh, you know, if it were up to me, I might be uh, – actually, probably if it were up to me, I'd have Sean Marshall closing anyway um, if it was a bullpen without uh, without Chapman. Now, uh, Chad, but, you know he's not a power pitcher. That's not allowed. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, J.J. Hoover's another guy. This guy can be a closer. There's no question in my mind. Uh, so I think that the bullpen is still good without Chapman. The rotation, if we get one key injury without Chapman – could go from being a big time strength of this club to being a you know sort of a so so uh, uh, portion of the, of the team's roster, it, and and that scares me. I I don't I just don't understand the the need to put uh, take Chapman out of that mix when he could really not just uh, uh, sort of hold the line in terms of the Reds being one of the top rotations, but maybe take a step forward to being the best rotation uh, in the National League. Yeah, I'm, I, I completely that... agree. Go ahead, Doug. You go ahead. I think that. You know, if someone were to get hurt, what the Reds would do would kind of be based around when it happened. Um, you know, I I just said a minute ago that I think that if something were to happen, they would have called up Singrani or Corsino. But the more I thought about it, you know, it, this early in the season, maybe they'd have called up Armando Galarraga. Oh, you know, gosh. They, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I feel the exact same way. But at the same time, you know, I think that maybe they'd make that decision just so that they could get the two prospects, you know, the time that they need rather than to come up before they're ready and, you know, lose some confidence when they get hit around, which I think they both would get hit around a little bit right now as starting pitchers. Um, and whereas, you know, Galarraga would, you know, he's more veteran, I guess. He can he, he might be able to handle it a little bit more getting hit around, whereas I think all three would probably have the same result okay, in April. I think, but, I think he's probably going to get hit around too. He's just used to it. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. He's, he, he's more used to being able to handle it, whereas, you know, a younger guy, if he comes up and gets hit around, it might shake his confidence and set him back an entire year, whereas, you know, Galarraga, you know, they don't have nearly the investment in him. You know, if if he has four or five bad starts, you know, they can cut bait with him. If they call up Singrani or Cortino and he has four or five bad starts, you know, they've got to send him down and somehow find a way to keep his – or to get his confidence back in him so he's comfortable – with everything that he's doing, because they're going to need him again in the future. So I just think that it really is interesting. And if someone is going to go down and, you know, I'm with you, Chad, there's no way we're going to get through the season again with five starters. Um, but if it does happen, I, I just really hope that it's further on down the season that it's not major, so that that way the guys with the really good arms are more equipped to be, you know, major league starting pitchers when they come up right away, whereas if, it would have happened right now. I really think that we'd be seeing a guy with somewhere around a five ERA, you know, no matter who it was of the three guys from AAA that they would call up. But now that they've made the decision to 
have Mike Leake as the fifth starter. It just it just frustrates me, you know. It's uh, it's a situation where I really felt like the Reds were uh, on the precipice here of putting together a rotation that uh, possibly dominant rotation, the type of rotation that you know I, nobody wants to compare rotations to the old Braves uh, trio and some of the great rotations of the past. But it was a chance. You're, you're taking a chance on turning something into an elite rotation. Uh, in baseball, and rather than just taking a chance and seeing if it'll work, they sort of were, I don't know, scared in, in some ways. Uh, let's go with it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And and I just, it it's uh, it smacks of sort of old school by the book, and I think that the Reds really could have taken a step forward. And I think what's being unsaid here, and maybe we want to address it, maybe we don't want to address it, because there are lots of things we don't know about how the internal process went and how this decision was made. But it looks an awful lot from the outside, like our manager, Dusty Baker, won a power struggle with our general manager, Walt Jockety. And uh, there could be uh, some very, very interesting uh, articles to be written about that if someone could get somebody talking about how that internal debate, even though the Reds are telling us uh, and expecting us to believe there was no internal debate, that's what, they, what Walt Jockety said. I'd love to know to have been a fly on the wall, because it looks an awful lot from the outside like uh, – Dusty Baker won the internal power struggle. Uh, I totally agree with that. I think the, the circumstantial evidence for that is just overwhelming. Um, I think there was even a quote from Jockety at some point that he had to, uh, and I might be wrong on this because I don't have anything up, up in front of me, but I remember it, that uh, he had to pull Castellini back from keeping Chapman as the closer. And so, you know, I, it's, it's a real easy for me to imagine sort of Baker saying this and, and then it kind of confirming what Castellini wants. And so then, you know, Jockety gets outvoted, especially, you know, most importantly by the man who has the deciding vote whenever he wants it. Um, you know, and, and to go, you, Chad, you talked about kind of the, how elite the rotation can be. You know, we can talk about some projections here. Looking at, at Utter World as Chapman's projections, a lot of which take into account him being a starter for, for part of the year. Pretty much everybody has him as being an above-average pitcher in less than a full innings worth of seasons. Um, in the projections I did for the for the Red Leg Annual that everybody can buy and should if they haven't yet. RedLegAnnual.com. Go buy it now. Indeed. Um, I had him down for about a 290 ERA um, in 150 innings with 180 strikeouts. And, you know, that's that's not unreasonable when you look at traditionally how relievers transition from um, – from the bullpen to to starters, you know, you figure they they tack on a run maybe a little bit more to the their ERA, and depending on how much you believe in his decrease in walk rate last year, and I, and I, I pretty much believe fully in it, um, you really are, are are letting go of of an excellent pitcher there, and you know now this will be up on the site tomorrow on Red Leg Nation. Um, but now I've got him down for, you know, I had to obviously revise things once this decision came down. I've got him down for 65 innings, um, about a 210 ERA, which is still great. But, you know, but would you rather have 65 innings with 210 or 150 with a 290? I mean, you know, it's projection, so who knows really. And I, I say this in my article, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't get to 65 innings. Something that really disturbed me was, you know, coming out that they were going to really intentionally limit Chapman's consecutive days and use him exclusively as a closer, which seems to me like a recipe for him to end up throwing something like, you know, 54, 55 innings 
which just, I mean, that I, that just leaves me speechless how, how, you know, frankly incompetent that sounds. Oh, gosh. My head hurts. <laughs> uh, well, let me go ahead. There's one quick thing that sort of builds on what Jason just said that has really sort of frustrated me with something Walt Jockety said. And, and somebody asked him the question, uh, one of the beat writers, I guess, asked him the question, well, you know, isn't a, a guy throwing 170 innings more valuable than a guy throwing 70? And Jockety's response was something to the effect of, well, but we weren't going to get 170 innings out of Chapman this year. We may not have even gotten 140 or 130. And, and my thought was, goodness, guys, first of all, 130 or 140 is still better than 70 innings. And I, I'm like Jason. I'm not entirely sure based upon those comments and how they're going to use Broxton that he'll even get to 70. But you can't get to 170 or 200 in the next couple of years if you don't get him to 130 or 140 this year. It's, it, it's a process if you're wanting to protect his arm of stepping him up and uh, and building his arm so that he can go longer. And if you wait another year to start that process, because they're still making noises like, well, he may be a starter at some point. To my mind, a rollless Chapman will never start an inning, uh, uh, start a game for the Reds. And uh, it just seems to be very short-sighted to say, well, he, he's not going to get 170 in- innings this year. Well, no, he's not, but let's get him on the process where we're uh, you know, stretching him out and trying to maximize the value of this kid. I just uh, – it's just all so frustrating. And uh, what do I know? And it is, and you talk about, excuse me, the Reds losing, you know, kind of pitching value or whatever. And you, you mentioned this earlier, Chad. They're very, very, very deep in the bullpen right now. They have plenty of top-shelf relief pitchers. And, you know, while they're good in the rotation, it's a really good rotation. You've got two, I think we would all agree, really excellent pitchers there. You know, there's a real clear drop-off between Cueto and Latos and, you know, the, the the rest of that bunch. Not that they're not quality pitchers, but the idea of having Chapman in there for even part of that, and I agree with you, he's never starting a game for the Reds. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he is a relief pitcher now. Um, and, you know, next year, is, is well, this year and next year, both the Reds are, are putting a lot of their budget into their, into their bullpen. And I, you know... I don't know how many studies we've had that there have been that show that basically relief pitchers are a dime a dozen. I mean, you know, relief pitchers, as far as I can tell, are basically four A starters. They don't quite work as starters, but you know, they've got that one or those one or two great pitches. Stick them in the bullpen and ask them to throw hard for an inning, and they're fine generally. Um, you know, that's why you know, and there's been some discussion about this. They don't get paid as much. You know, or all this Chapman may be costing himself some money here in a couple of years. Um, but you know, that's all way into the future, and we don't. Who, who who knows how he'll be over the next couple of years? Even I guess. Yeah, I, I think that you know you kind of hit on something that is interesting to me, given the uh, I guess some of the reports we've read about Aroldis Chapman is that you know you you said that it, he probably has cost himself money by coming out and stating that you know he wants to be a he wants to be a closer. And while closers make good money, you know they make about the same amount of money as a solid to good starting pitcher. Um, and I, I just, I think that it's really interesting to see, you know, that, you know, there are so many reports out there that Chapman really likes, you know, having money and being flashy and buying nice, fancy things, which I totally get being where he came from, you know, that you weren't able to do those things. But I, I wonder if that's a conversation that he had with his agent at any point, you know, that, you know, 
closers don't get paid nearly as much money as really good starting pitchers do. And that, that's something that went through my head, and I had forgotten about it until you brought it back up, Jason, that, you know, it is something that may lead to him losing big chunks of money in the future. And can you imagine if in a couple of years, if he were a full-time starter coming off the kind of season we think he might all be capable of and being 28 years old, can you imagine what that contract might bring? I mean, it's obscene. I mean, you know, that's he might make Zach Greinke's contract look conservative. Um, you know, if if he came off of if he if if he did things that we all think he could do, it's just it's amazing to think of what he could potentially do and what the Reds are kind of I think kind of cheating all of us and cheating him out of. Yeah, he could he could have named his price basically, and there's no question about that. Um, and, and we're talking about what we think he can do, but goodness gracious, even if he doesn't do that. They could put him back in the bullpen. No harm done. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I just don't get yeah. it. No, oh, I'm frustrated. I, Sorry, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fine. But yeah, you know, let's let's move on to something a little bit more, uh, I guess, friendly. Um, I'm yes, going to go off script a little bit here, guys. But uh, I actually had forgotten about this, and I I got reminded of it as we were going through this conversation. Um, I read that uh, Matt Latos has actually been working on his changeup with uh, Mario Soto this spring, and uh, Latos himself feels very good about the pitch. And, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, in his career he hasn't used very often. He uses it anywhere from 5 to 10% of the time given, you know, the different seasons in his career. But it's generally been a below-average pitch for him. And, you know, if he feels good and confident with his changeup and it's an improved pitch, I think that it'll be very – at the very least, it could be the key that helps him take that next real step forward in his career, going from, you know, a solid number two to maybe joining Johnny Cueto on that same rung as kind of a, you know, maybe not quite an ace, but a, a for sure number one pitcher uh, in baseball. Um, I think, you know, I would tend to – uh, any improvement that, that Matt Latos thinks he is going to make, great, because he's already such a high-quality player. Um, you know, I actually kind of think, and I believe it was a changeup that he dropped last year after April um, because it wasn't working for him, and, and he had that, that really rough April and then picked it up. And, you know, I've written about this on the site, but there's plenty of, of stuff to indicate that we should basically throw out his April, in which case his numbers last year looked boy, an awful lot like Johnny Cueto's numbers from last year, um, in which case, you know, I think you might be kind of underselling him a little bit. I think in terms of of long-term ceiling, especially given his age, I think Matt Latos probably has the highest ceiling of any of the starters on the Reds right now. Um, and I think, yeah. you know, he's, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I guess the one thing I was going to point out is that Matt Latos has a bad April every year. Um he, for whatever reason, he always seems to give up you know, lots and lots of runs and hits during April. And then after that, you know, he throws up an ERA around three for the rest of the season. Um, I'm not so, sure no, exactly do, what uh, it is. I think we do, Doug, have to call sample size on that because he's only pitched in three Aprils. So still a little early to, to doom him for April for his career, I think. Well, I know he wasn't good last April, but I know he was fantastic the rest of the season. Um, listen, I've, I'm a fully paid member of the Matt Latos fan club, and I'm uh, probably as excited to see what he's going to do this year as I am uh, any particular player. 
on the Reds roster. Uh, he got a lot of heat last year, and I guess uh, having a bad April in your first uh, month with a team, especially when you got a fan base like this uh, Reds fan base, what have you done for me lately? Um, I think he uh, I don't know, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, or a lot of people gave up on him quick. And, and I know none, none of you, guys, neither of you guys did, and certainly I didn't, um, because this kid has uh, just talent oozing uh, out of him, and this guy is just—he's uh, so much fun to watch. He's a a power pitcher, if he can really master uh, the changeup, I think I, I agree with Jason. Certainly, um, the sky's the limit. This guy is the, definitely the highest ceiling of any of the starters. You know, since Araldus Chapman is not a starter, um, Latos has the highest uh, ceiling, and and he's going to be a guy. He's probably the guy, in my opinion. The Reds make it back to October. I would not be surprised uh, if he's the uh, the guy that should be starting game one. Uh, he, he, this, this, Latos is, uh, he's the man. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think that, you know, ultimate ceiling wise of the five guys that are starting, uh, I think that he's a clear cut number one, um, in terms of ceiling. Um, you know, his pure stuff is just so good. And, you know, with his age and he's already got so much experience that, you know, if he can just take that next step, you know, he's a 225-inning guy who can give you a sub-3 ERA. And I, as much as I love Johnny Cueto, I'm not sure that he can go, you know, 225 innings and the playoffs and, you know, maintain that. You know, he's only gotten to 200 innings that one season. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think that, you know, his, his ultimate ceiling would probably be the highest of any other starters. And think, just think about uh, October, Matt Latos, Johnny Cueto, Araldis Chapman, one, two, three. Oh, my goodness, man, we're going to be great in October, right, guys? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Though, do you know what, what is fun to think about is how young everybody except Arroyo is who's in that staff still. I mean, Bailey feels like he's been around for a million years because he has, but, boy, all of those guys are still, you know, not even really hitting their prime years yet. Um, and so that's, you know, you know, Cueto, is, he's, he'll be, what, 27 this year? I think this is his age 27 season, so he's just so, yeah. getting to that peak point. And Latos is a year younger than him, and I think Leek's a year younger than Latos. Um, so that's – none of those guys should start dropping off for another four to five years at least. Yeah, I mean, it could be – I think it could be a great rotation for years to come, Absolutely. I, I was just going to say, I, I'm just hopeful that we can keep them all around for that long. Um, I, I, that's one thing that I always get concerned about when I think about how young and good all of those guys are is, are we going to be able to keep them all through, you know, age 30, 31, and get the most out of them? Yeah, I mean, well, Quato is under contract. How long is he under contract? Another, what, good three or four years, isn't he, I think? At least, yeah. Um yeah, and then Latos they have at least for two years after this one. I mean, he he'll be in arbitration potentially, but you know he's right. under team control at least for a few years. Yeah. But, looks right, like well, uh, uh, let's see, Lato or Cueto signed through twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah. So we've yeah. got in three more seasons at least. So all right, so that's 2015. That will be Cueto and Latos both up for free agency. That will be interesting. One of um, one of those guys was locked up before that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, uh, I think has shown a, he's already signed an extension before, whereas I think they they tried to approach, or at least the rumblings really tried to approach Latos this year, and it didn't uh, it didn't quite happen, and he ended up with just the one year deal. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, who they who they go back to the well on, and if they do manage to lock one of those guys up, I would based on just what we've seen, you would assume it's Cueto, but who really knows? Yeah, and then, you know, just because they didn't get anything done with you know Latos right away. Uh, and they ended up going and making a one-year deal doesn't mean that they're not still trying to, you know, get something done long-term. And maybe they're just discussing, you know, different – they've got different years on the table between what they want. Um, you know, you've seen that happen in the past. I'm not sure this happened with the Reds, but with other teams where they've approached guys for long-term contracts and couldn't get something done right away and settled on a one-year deal to avoid arbitration and going in and, you know, saying that, you know, we don't like this about the player and that about the player and kind of hurting anything that they've been working on before that. And then, you know, a month or two down the road, they announced that they came to an agreement and extended the guy for three or four years. So that that could be something that, you know, they could still be working on, and we just don't know about it yet. Yeah, that's an excellent point. We've definitely seen instances of that. I wouldn't mind seeing them lock up Latos. That'd be a good business move. Seems like they can get him for the right price. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, uh, let's uh, move on forward. Um, Wait a minute, I want to talk about Chapman some more. How much is it going to cost? For the, how much are the Reds okay. going to pay for that three innings of postseason uh, Chapman action, Chapmania that we got last year? <laughs> three whole innings in the postseason. Man, can't wait to see that again. Uh, Prorated, I think, think $80,000. Is... <laughs> yeah, I think, you're, I, I think just think it's good that you're not bitter at all. Oh, man, I'll tell you, I'm just uh, I'm happy as a clam. Oh, goodness. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go bang my head against the wall. Move on to the next topic. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll actually take phone calls now if anybody listening has any questions for us. Um, we also set up a thread at uh, redlegnation.com and took questions that uh, readers wanted us to answer. So uh, we're going to jump right on into that. And if anybody calls in, we'll go ahead and take their phone calls as well. Um We've got one from uh, Boiler Mike, who was, uh, he's really interested in the potential of Shinsu Chu. Um, but his question was, could you see a situation where Walt would re-sign Chu and still have Hamilton in the big leagues? Chad, do you want to take, a, take that one first? Well, possibly. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say absolutely that's not a possibility. Uh, and possibly move Chu over to left field after a year of uh, Ludwig. I don't. I'd be surprised. Uh, I think Chu's agent is uh, Scott Boris, if I'm not mistaken. And I would be surprised if Chu's not looking for one final big uh, big contract uh, this off season. And hopefully, he's uh, going to earn that big contract with a great season this year. Uh, I certainly wouldn't mind having him around. Obviously, it looks like Billy Hamilton is the guy in center field for next year, assuming things go well for Hamilton in AAA this year. He's not ready yet, but after another year of development, um, Chapman, or excuse me, ha- did I just say Chapman? Oh, <laughs> Hamilton should be ready. And after a year in the bullpen for Chapman, he'll be ready to be in the bullpen again next year. Um, okay. Uh, I don't see, I don't see that happening with two. 
wouldn't hurt my feelings at all because I think Chu is going to be. I think a lot of Reds fans are going to really fall in love with uh, Shinzu Chu this year. He gets on base. He's a, he's a fun player to watch. He's probably certainly better suited defensively. I would assume if he can handle center field, but he can slide over to left field, even though he'd been playing right field. Um, so, I guess it's not outside the realm of possibility, but I wouldn't bet the ranch on it. Yeah, I would. I would totally echo what Chad said. I, you know. And stranger things have happened, certainly. Um, but you know, Ch- you know, Chad noted that he's probably looking for a cash in. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, hitting free agency kind of late as he is, he's in his 30s. This is his probably his last shot um, at, at a really big payoff if he wants it. Um, and so, it's really hard to imagine him. You know, we hear every year about how the Reds don't have that much money, and I. I I do think also that they're kind of getting at least smart enough to not throw a ton of money at players in their early to mid thirties. Um, yeah, I think the Ludwig deal was a good case for that. They, uh, you know, they, I don't think they're really overpaid for Ludwig. And I think four or five years ago, we might've seen them overpay for Ludwig just based off of the season he had. Um, and Chu, I, I love him and I'm, I've been on the Reds to get him ever since there were mumbles that he might be traded. But at the same time, I don't know if I want him when he's 34. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think that while there's a slight chance that we could re-sign Chu, that, you know, just the fact that, you know, it is probably going to be his last real shot at a big contract because of his age, that he's going to want to test those waters. And it seems that the Reds, whenever they want to go after one of their own guys, they get it done before that player goes to free agency uh, rather than after they go to free agency. So I'm just not sure that I can see the Reds making that move unless something crazy happens between now and the end of the season. I certainly hope Chu performs as we expect, though, and and that he earns a big-time free agent contract because I expect him to have a very, very good season, presuming he can stay healthy. And uh, I presume there will be a lot of Reds fans at the end of the season that will be sorry to see him go. But I think this is probably just a one-year deal, Um, and it will be Billy Hamilton next year. And I agree with you. I think I think he's primed for a good season. I think especially the move to the National League will help him out quite a bit. That's that's a, a much thinner pitching pool than he's been seeing. So I don't think we should really see any drop off from him at all. Well, he also doesn't get to face Arroyo, so that might play <laughs> <Right>. again. <laughs> well, yeah. So maybe those two will balance out overall. <laughs> We've actually got another question uh, from the chat room um, from uh, John. And uh, you know, he says that the Indians' new local TV deal is for $40 million a year, and the Dodgers' TV deal is $280 million a year. Um, when is the Reds' current TV deal over? Um, I've personally heard two different versions of when it's over. Do either of you guys know for sure what number is correct? I think 2016 is what I've heard. Um, that's, I think that's the only number I've seen. Um, but don't quote me on that because I'm not sure. I've heard 2016, but I've also heard 2018. And I haven't seen either source uh, confirm or deny that the other was wrong. I'm hoping it's 2016 rather than 2018 because yeah, with the numbers that are being handed out to teams right now, I, I – I think that the sooner we can get our hands on that money, the better. Um, but, and especially since, at least for the time being, I feel that if it's up in 2016, the Reds will be coming off multiple 
really strong seasons in a row, and they can play that into larger numbers since their ratings will be so good. Um, but I'm not I'm I'm sure, sure that it is 2016, by the way. Well, you're sure I'm it is? 100% sure that you're right. <laughs> and, um, and, and, well, it, it's interesting, just I just looked at, uh, at the contest head of the freaking that Votto does get his very big raise from 2015 into 2016, so they may well be anticipating uh, that renegotiation with, with how they structured his contract right there. And, you know, the, the Reds, uh, Fox Sports, have been very, very happy about the uh, the viewership. I think Cincinnati's uh, viewership is actually – the ratings have been really good the last couple of years on television, even if it hasn't necessarily translated into a, a huge bump at the uh, ticket office. In terms of attendance, um, I think that the TV ratings have been outstanding for the last couple of years. Yeah, they have. I'm pretty sure that the Reds were in the top three last year as far as ratings go. Yeah. Now, of course, the Reds are in a very small market, so that doesn't really equate to total viewers. But as far as you know, the you know the local people, everybody seems to be tuning in at a higher rate than uh, you know in other cities. So I'm, I'm sure Fox Sports is very happy with how things are right now. And uh, one thing I actually think that we should talk about is I've actually seen where the Reds have said that, you know, maybe they would try and negotiate a contract with Fox Sports before the current deal is up um, just to, uh, I guess, try and get something going for both sides so there's more, I guess, certainty going forward with things. Well, I think there's, they're due for a, uh, a lot of money whenever the next TV contract comes up. So, um the quicker they get their hands on that money, the quicker they can invest it in this team, although they've been doing that the last couple of years, I think, of investing some of that money already. When you look at the, the Votto contract and the Phillip con, Phillips contracts and uh, these various contracts uh, that they've signed recently. So um, the quicker they can get their hands on some extra money, I'm all for it. Uh, yeah, I, you know, John actually followed up with that, asking if uh, you know the difference in the TV deals is going to make a difference in uh, – the amount of money the teams are spending. And, you know, I think that it's still going to be the haves and the have-nots. You know, right now it seems like teams are being able to kind of set things up right now with, you know, the new TV money and the Dodgers getting more money than the Reds make in a year, probably from ticket sales and from their Fox Sports contract, just from their TV deal, that, you know, they're not, I mean, they're not able to take advantage of that right now. But I I think that at some point – the teams that are getting these huge TV deals compared to teams that are getting, you know, 30 to $60 million, you know, they're going to find a way to use that extra money that they're getting to, you know, find an advantage, you know, even if it's not necessarily, you know, spending $400 million on a payroll because, you know, the luxury tax and everything, they're not going to be able to do that. They're going to find a way, be it to pay for better, you know, development, invest the money in the minor leagues, you know, do something that's going to help give them an advantage over the smaller market teams. And, Doug, you know better than anyone how uh, investing in the minor leagues has uh, really benefited the Reds more than uh, many teams over the last few years, and you can just look at the current roster to see that. So uh, any money they want to invest in that minor league system, as long as they're doing it the right way, I'm all for that, certainly. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really interesting thing for me just to see how much money is coming in and, you know, just wondering how teams can use all of this money to, you know, I guess, get a leg up on the competition versus, you know, spending it all on 
player acquisition? You know, what are the different things that they can do, you know, maybe invest a lot of money in your scouting staff and, you know, you just, you're going to be producing better reports that's going to help the players that you do have perform even better than you would imagine just because they've got that little bit of advantage on, you know, the Padres players who aren't getting that same kind of information or, you know, just, just little things like that, you know, that will help give you just a little bit of an edge over somebody else, something you're doing just a little bit different that nobody else is doing that's going to give you that advantage to make your players just a little bit better across the board. I'm all for it. Um, it actually, we actually lost Jason, I guess. Uh, it was time for him to go. We knew we only had him for about 30 minutes, so. Jason, Jason quit on him? Golly. He, I know. Something about adult responsibilities and children, uh, I don't know. Ah, come on, Jason. <laughs> all right. Uh, going back to the uh, Red Lake Nation reader questions. Um I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your name, but uh, one reader was wondering about the best options for a cleanup hitter. You know, he he knows that Ludwig is likely going to be the guy, but if he struggles like he did to start last year, you know, maybe they're going to have to make a move. Um, and he threw out a few different options. Um, but you know, what, what's your take? If Ludwig struggles, you know, say through April, maybe the first six weeks of the season, uh, what are some of the options you think would be the most beneficial for the Reds? Well, I think that even if he does struggle, I think Ludwig is likely to get the lion's share of the at-bats in the cleanup position. Uh, again, regardless of whether he's struggling or not. There's some possibility maybe that the uh, that Todd Frazier, if he starts out hot, and uh, especially with his power, if he's hitting well, that he could maybe slide into that spot if Ludwig were to flounder a little bit. In my opinion, um, the best player to put in that cleanup spot would be Jay Bruce. Now, of course, that's never going to happen because Dusty Baker won't bat Joey Votto and Jay Bruce back-to-back as left-handers. So uh, if we're asking what should happen, I say Jay Bruce, classic cleanup hitter in my opinion. Uh, Guy's going to drive in a lot of runs. Guy's going to hit for a lot of power um, and gets on base a a little bit, but uh, I think he's certainly well-suited for that role. But then if we talk about what will happen rather than what should happen, i got to think it's going to be Ludwig until he, he must, he's going to be struggling pretty badly before Dusty removes him from that uh, role as the primary cleanup hitter. And then probably Todd Frazier is, the, in my mind, the, the guy that would maybe be next in line. Um, but I don't see anyone else being a, uh, a legitimate uh, candidate in that scenario. What do you think? I, I'm, with, I'm with you. I, I, if I were making the calls, I'd put Jay Bruce there right now and not worry about it. But we all know that's not going to happen because Dusty thinks you can't bat lefties back-to-back, even though, as we all know, Joey Votto crushes lefties. But, um, you know, I think that you're probably right. Ludwig's going to really have to struggle to see him move out of that spot. And, you know, I'm with you. I think that the next best right-handed guy that is an option would be Todd Frazier. Uh, But it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, Brandon Phillips back in that role just because he's been there before. We know Dusty likes him there. And, you know, maybe he's just going to have more confidence in Brandon Phillips batting behind Joey Votto than, you know, putting, I guess, well, Todd Frazier's not a rookie. You know, it's his first year as a full-time starter than putting a guy like that in that role. Yeah, it could be. I mean, uh, you know, BP's been there before, and while I don't think he's a, a great option, uh, Dusty's certainly not hesitated to use him in that spot. Um, and, you know, I don't know that – I don't even know if there is such a thing as a classic number two hitter. I presume that uh, – 
Brandon Phillips will be batting second most of the year. Um, but if there is such a thing as a classic number two hitter, I'm not sure that uh, Brandon Phillips is that guy. He seems like a number six hitter to me, frankly. Good player. Love Brandon Phillips. Happy he's a red, but um, he is what he is. Uh, that being said, Dusty uh, thinks that he is what Dusty thinks, and Dusty's probably smarter than I am, so uh, I'll concede that. And uh, it could be. could be. uh could be Brandon Phillips. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. TC asks uh, about the guys who've kind of been really hot so far this spring, and uh, Derek Robinson, who I guess coming into today was hitting 357. And if you haven't seen him play, he's a very, very fast player. And so he asked, you know, what we would think if, you know, Billy Hamilton were to actually start in double A and Robinson were to start in triple A since both of them are center fielders. Um, being the minor league guy, um, I'll go ahead yeah, and you take, take this one. Okay. Um, while I wouldn't have a problem personally with Billy Hamilton going back to double A, I think that there probably are some things that he could still work on to improve his game at that level that the Reds aren't going to make that move. Um at least as it relates to Billy Hamilton going back to Double A, you know they've said all off season that he's going to head to Triple A. You know the bats have kind of built their marketing campaign around having Billy Hamilton to start the year, and you know Billy Hamilton had a he had an excellent season at Double A last year. It's not like he doesn't deserve to be promoted and as the top prospect he's going to get that promotion. Um, with that said, you know I'm not the biggest fan of Derek Robinson as far as being on the roster at a spring training because he had a strong spring. Um, you know, he's got one walk and 12 strikeouts and 43 at bat, or 43 plate appearances this spring. You know, he's when he puts the ball in play, he's hitting 500 this spring. You know, that's not going to continue to happen. With that said, you know, his minor league career, you know, he's Billy Hamilton light. You know, he doesn't have any power. He's actually got less power than Billy Hamilton, who doesn't have any power. But he's maybe a step slower than Billy Hamilton. Uh, Derek Robinson's one of the fastest guy in the minor leagues. Um, he is an absolute blazer. In, you know, if Billy Hamilton didn't exist, Derek Robinson would be in the conversation for fastest guy in the minor leagues. Um, and he's also an excellent center fielder. Um, the speed helps out a lot, but I'm just not sure that he's anything more than a fifth outfielder. You know, what he brings to the plate. You know, he'll give you a professional at bat, even though you know his spring training stats haven't shown it so far. Uh, for his career, you know, he draws enough walks and doesn't strike out that much. So he's out there to make contact, and he does a pretty good job at it. And, you know, he's really fast. He takes good good advantage of his speed. But I just don't see the Reds sending Billy Hamilton back to double-A to make room for a guy who's had a good spring, whereas, you know, when they signed Derek Robinson, they probably didn't even expect him to be starting in triple-A. So I'm not sure that they'd make such a rash decision over, you know, 50 good at-bats in spring to, you know, mess with what their plan was for their top prospect. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. I mean, uh, Billy Hamilton is the sort of franchise when it comes to guys in the minor leagues. Uh, he's going to get first uh, first dibs on everything, uh, I guess you could say. Uh, he's, the plan is to put him in uh, AAA, as it seems, and, um, hey, I, you know, I'm all for that. Uh, Billy Hamilton is probably going to be in Cincinnati at some point this year, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. I've never been a huge fan of Hamilton. I've always wondered whether or not he's actually going to get on base. He's proven me wrong time and time again. Um I just hope that he can uh, translate that to the major leagues. I look forward to seeing uh, the havoc he can create on the base paths when he gets to Cincinnati probably in September. I don't expect it to be much earlier unless there are injuries. And uh, a, lot of guys, a lot of guys want to see him. He seems like a prototypical uh, Dusty Baker type player. 
I think he's a prototypical every manager kind of player. I think that ideally every manager wants a guy like Billy Hamilton at the top of the lineup, you know, assuming that he can translate his minor league success to the majors, which, you know, I'm with you. I'm still not entirely certain that he's going to be able to transfer the on-base percentage he's had in the minor leagues forward. But even if he takes a step or two back, you know, as long as he's at 330 or better, he's going to be outstanding in the leadoff role. And I, I think that he can do that. I hope so. Um, Any other Kyle questions? actually, yeah, Kyle actually has something that I almost want to skip over just because I want to save you from putting more <laughs> holes in your wall with your head. But uh, you know, we, we did say we'd answer these questions, so yeah, let's do it. Um, he asked if it's silly to think that Chapman isn't ready to be a starter this year, and the organization isn't willing to derail their chances of winning simply to appease the assumption that he'll be an eight. Well. Let me just say this, and I probably should have said this earlier, and Kyle, I appreciate you asking this question because I, it's something I need to say. The Reds know a whole lot more about everything with respect to this situation, about Chapman's makeup, about what whether or not he can be a starter. Um, they have a lot more information, I guess, at their disposal than I do. I'm sitting on the outside, and I'm criticizing, and I do need to concede that they have a lot more information upon which to base their decision than I do. So uh, I guess it's not silly to think that he's not ready to be a starter, um, that they saw something this spring that made them think he cannot, he, that he can't do it. He's just not going to be able to do it this year. Um, I don't think that's a silly uh, question or a silly uh, supposition that Kyle's come up with. I don't see the evidence of it on it on the surface of the situation. I don't see anything in his performance as a starting pitcher this spring and last spring when he was starting and uh, when he was a primary starter when he was uh, in the minor leagues that would suggest to me that there's something that would say he he's not ready that he can't be a starter this year and uh, I do disagree sort of fundamentally with the second part of that question which is that having him as a starter this year if he's quote-unquote not ready would derail their chances of winning simply to appease the assumption that he'll be an ace. Number one, I don't think even if Chapman got into the uh, – he had the worst-case scenario when he was in the rotation and had to put him back in the bullpen, I don't know that that significantly would derail their chances of winning, number one. Number two, I don't think anyone's assuming that uh, Aroldis Chapman would be an ace this year. I'm certainly not. I think that eventually he has the uh, the stuff that he could be an ace, I certainly didn't expect that this year. I expected a, uh, as a starter, Chapman would be an above-average starter. And when you put that in a rotation behind uh, Cueto and Latos, that all of a sudden the, a rotation was probably the second-best rotation in the National League last year takes a, a pretty significant bump up having a, a better-than-league-average starter as your number three starter. I think there's a lot of value in that. I don't think he has to be an ace for there to for him to be valuable to that rotation. So... Um, so in respect to that question, I don't see from the outside looking in that that's what happened. Um, but, again, the Reds have more information than I do, and, and maybe they saw something that would uh, lead them to believe that he can't be a starter. They certainly haven't said anything that would make us think that, and I didn't see anything from the uh, performance on the field, but uh, I can only base my uh, my rants on, uh, on what I can see. Um, I'll just make it short and quick. I agree with you, Chad. That's what um, I like to hear. covered everything that I was going to say. Um, so we'll just move on to the next question. Sounds uh, good. TC asked, 
CC asked another question. Uh, he says, is it assumed that Arroyo will walk after 2013, uh, and what are the thoughts on an extension for maybe another three years if he were to, I guess, be willing to take that? You want to take this one or shall I? I I'll go ahead. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, obviously, things can change in a year. Um, you know, if he has another season like he had last year and, you know, has a really low walk rate and keeps his strikeout rate kind of where it's always been and keeps the ball in the ballpark, and then, you know, if, you know, something strange happens and Daniel Corsino or Tony Singrani both take a step backwards and neither one of them are, I guess, even thought to be close to ready, then, yeah, I guess they could think, you know, extending Arroyo could be something they need to do because they're going to be competing, so they don't have the option of bringing up somebody who they don't feel is remotely close to ready. Um, but I think that at the very least one of those two guys is going to take that step forward and show at least enough that the Reds are going to be willing to commit to them as this number five starter next year, that they're not going to go out and, you know, extend Arroyo. Um, you know, even if it's something where, you know, God forbid a pitcher gets hurt, and, you know, they have to have Tommy John surgery and they're going to miss the entire year next year, I still think that they would go a different route than go and get somebody rather than, you know, bring Arroyo back because that they're going to assume that guy's going to be back in a year, whereas if, you know, the top pitching prospects both take a step back, there's a lot more uncertainty with them ever getting back to where they were. So I, I'm just not sure if the Reds would commit that much money unless one of the pros or both of the prospects totally bombed next year and nobody else stepped forward and said, you know, maybe I can be the number five guy. Yeah, I just um, – the TC, I think he's a longtime reader of Red Leg Nation and uh, listener to Red Leg Nation Radio. I think he knew this one's one that was going to poke at me a little bit because Bronson Arroyo, is my, he's my favorite Red, has been for a while. I love watching that guy pitch. Just He's magnificent. Matter of fact, my chapter in that Red Leg Annual book that we've talked about earlier, the uh, preseason uh, e-book, RedLegAnnual.com, go buy it. It's still available. Best four bucks you're going to spend all year long if you go buy that. Uh, fantastic. But my, my chapter was about Bronson Arroyo, sort of what makes him tick, and what can we expect from him this year. Um, and that's a, that's a great question. I don't know that I answered it very uh, adequately, but uh, hopefully Arroyo is going to be what Arroyo is, uh, which is uh, sort of a league average innings muncher. And, you know, uh, there's value in that. Now, three more years, I, I don't know that anybody will give him a three-year contract after this uh, season. Maybe I'm wrong, and, and you know, God bless him if he does get a, another three-year contract. I could see circumstances evolving to where maybe uh, the Reds would offer him another uh, one-year deal, um, and if he doesn't have better offers out there, he may uh, may want to take that because uh, Cincinnati's been very good to him, frankly, and, and for his career. But I'd be very, very surprised, absent some sort of extraordinary circumstances, if he were to uh, get extended three more years. Let me say this, though. You know, the Reds extended him three years uh, there uh, previously, the last time they uh, extended his contract. And I said, I think I said it here on the the podcast, that it was a terrible idea, despite the fact that I, I love Bronson Royal, love watching him pit, pitch. I thought it was a, a very bad idea. And, of course, the first year of that new contract, uh, I, it looked like I was right. In that he because he was awful that year he broke uh, Eric Milton's home runs allowed record and that that's hard to do, uh, but then last year he was back he was uh, fantastic again and, and I, the year that he was uh, so bad starts to look a little bit like a fluke, and uh, 
So I think in the end we're going to think this past, this most recent three-year extension was a good idea. Three more, I'm not sure I would take that risk, and I hope the Reds aren't in a situation where they feel like they have to take that risk. Hopefully these guys, uh, Singrani and Corsino specifically, uh, force the issue and, and force their way into the Reds' rotation. I, I agree. I agree. Um, Ryan Van Hook, is, he wonders if uh, Kyle Loesch could fall into Walt's lap the way that Ryan Madsen did last year. Um, I want to take this one first because I think it's something that a lot of people may not be aware of when it comes to Kyle Loesch. If someone were to sign Kyle Loesch, they have to give up their first-round draft pick um, unless it's in the top ten. And the red pick is, you know, way late in the 20s because of how good they were last year. So just because of that I and the way that the draft pool is set up now where you get a limited amount of money based on the picks that you have, that there's just no way the Reds would do that unless Loach were to sign just a crazy team-friendly deal for something like 3 or $4 million for one season. Uh, that That's really the only way I could see the Reds winding up with Loach because they're not going to want to give up that draft pick and the draft money that comes with it, um, especially given the way that they've drafted in the past, you know, they have to be very confident with their staff finding somebody who is eventually going to help the Reds, you know, on the major league level because, you know, they've done it for eight straight years now. They've put their number one draft pick in the major leagues, you know, be it for them or using him as, you know, trade bait to acquire someone else, and then that guy ended up playing in the major leagues for the team that he was traded to. I, I just can't see a way that Loesch winds up with the Reds because of that. Yeah, I, I just I don't see that's even a uh, that even as being a possibility. I just I don't know. I, it seems like a, it seems a little far fetched to me, uh, and I'm not sure that he'd uh, really fit in with what the Reds are doing here. You know, well again, we're, as as Brian noted in his question on there, what happens to Leak if we do that? Mike Leak goes to the bullpen. <laughs> I mean, um, Mike Leak's our fifth starter, so I. I don't know. I, I'm still not a fan of Loach for a couple reasons. Number one, that he wasn't very good when he was with the Reds, and then when he became good, he was with the stupid Cardinals. And uh, <laughs> you know, anybody that does well for the Cardinals is no friend of mine. I am with you. I uh, just uh, I don't like him. I don't like him at all. Now you're uh, talking. And, and while we're at it, <laughs> I don't want Yadier Molina or Chris Carpenter on this team either. While we're you know hitting on the Cardinals. Well, I, I don't think Chris Carpenter could do it because his head would explode trying to explain it to his son. So, uh, yeah, that's, yes. that's just not – I had to throw that in there. Uh, yeah, you couldn't pass that opportunity up. It was, it was, I set that one on the tee for you. All right. Um, Reds man uh, wonders about the bullpen, and I guess, you know, who's going to – who's not going to make it, um, especially with, you know, the uh, newly named closer who we won't mention – you know, kind of pushes somebody out of the bullpen probably. Um, how do you think it's going to play out? Well, here's what I think is going to happen is that J.J. Hoover is going back to AAA. And you talk about making my head hurt. That's another uh, situation that makes my head hurt because J.J. Hoover deserves to be in this uh, rotation – or not rotation, deserves to be in this bullpen. And if we're going strictly on talent, he's in this uh, bullpen. And I don't see it happening because he's the young guy that has the options. I don't don't see him uh, making the team out of out of spring training. Now, at some point, he's going to be with the Reds, and when he gets called up, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't stay in the major leagues. Maybe maybe for uh, you know the rest of his career, he may never see the minors after that. But I don't see him on opening day. I don't see how that 
I just it's a numbers game because you know they just signed Logan Odrusek to a two-year deal, which sort of astounded me. Logan Andrusek, one of my favorite players actually on the Reds, like the guy. He seems like a really stand-up guy. Teammates love him. Not a particularly effective relief pitcher, frankly, and I'm not sure why the Reds feel like he's so valuable. He pitched some very high-intensity innings late in the uh, the season last year when really I'm not sure that I would have given those innings to him. I think he's going to make it because of that two-year deal. You know, they gave Manny Parra, excuse me, they gave Manny Parra a, uh, some money to come in and I don't know what. I don't know how he fits in. I can't see how he makes this bullpen. I don't see the. I don't see where they've got a spot for him. And then you're talking about Alfredo Simon and, and Jose Arredondo, um, or as I call him, Jose Arredondo't. Every time uh, Dusty wants to put him in, actually, I don't mind Arredondo. He's okay, but he's just just okay. I think you can really cut any of those guys, as far as I'm concerned, um, uh, designate any of them for assignment. Uh, in terms of Para, Simon, or Arredondo to keep Hoover. But I think Hoover's the first one gone just because he's got the options. Yeah, I, I think that in a normal scenario, you'd probably be right. Um, I'm really starting to wonder if Hoover combined with Alfredo Simon, as the Reds say, not ready right now, um, might get him into the bullpen. Um, and Logan Andrusa getting shelled today didn't help him at all. Um, He's now got two more walks, and he's got strikeouts, and his ERA is over seven. Uh, and I know that, as you said, they signed with that two-year deal, but at some point, you know, you've kind of got to say it is what it is and, you know, bring Hoover with you. I mean, he's just been absolutely lights out this spring, and, you know, his competition really hasn't been. And when you couple that with, you know, Alfredo Simon maybe not being ready and, you know, them finding a way to put him on the DL, I guess just, you know, to make that decision for them at least right out of spring training, that, you know, that might be something they do. Um, another thing is, you know, while some of these guys have struggled in the spring, you know, last year they were pretty good. Um, and there's got to be teams out there that are interested, and the Reds certainly could, you know, make a trade for some, or to some team that needs a bullpen arm um, and, you know, clear up room that way. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out because, you know, there are a lot of guys that, you know, are either good enough to be in the bullpen or they're owed guaranteed money, and the Reds just don't have room for all of them right now. Hey, you mentioned Andrusic. Let me just uh, mention something else about him. You, you make good points, and at some point I've always been a fan of considering, you know, sunk costs. They paid him this money. There's nothing they can do about it. Uh, you know, they're going to pay him whether he's on the roster or not, do what's the right thing for the roster, and – uh, getting send him elsewhere if he's not going to help the team if he's going to hurt the team. I don't. I'd be very surprised though if the Reds cut bait on Andrusek this quickly based just on spring stats. Um, if he comes in and pitches like that uh, in the regular season, which truth uh, he's not going to have a 70 ERA maybe, but he very well might because his problem, as you noted, his problem this spring, it's been his problem during the regular season as well is that he walks too many guys to be a, an effective a relief pitcher, certainly in, in high-intensity spots. So I think that Andrusek may be a guy that at some point this season they decided that, you know, hey, let's just we got to cut bait. The money's owed him whether it was a, whether we, he's playing or not. It was a bad decision to extend him. Um, let, let's, uh, let's cut bait on him. I don't anticipate that early in the season. So I think your best spot, your best hope, as you noted, of clearing out some space there may be a trade. Um, and, but barring something like that, I, based on the numbers game, I just 
don't see Hoover staying uh, to start the season. I don't see him coming, uh, coming. I guess, east. We used to say coming north with the team. I don't see him coming east with the team at this point. Um, but, you know, a trade doesn't have, have to happen before opening day. It could be that, you know, sometime in April the Reds could make a trade for one of those guys and, and create a spot for Hoover. But, boy, he's uh, he's really made a, a, an impression this spring, hasn't he? I mean, he's really – if you got, if you could use the spring to make your case you deserve to be on the roster, he's done everything he need, needed to do. Uh, such a fun kid to watch pitch, isn't he? He is. I, and I'm going to be honest, I I don't get how guys can't hit his fastball. Uh, there's something to it. I don't know if it's the mechanics or what. I mean, Fangraphs has actually written about it a few different times, about how, you know, despite the fact that, you know, as far as the movement goes in terms of, you know, the pitch effects data, it's it's not a special pitch. You know, it's not overpowering. You know, it's 91 to 94, depending on the night. But just, guys, they've had so many problems making contact with his fastball, and, you know, Maybe it's the way that he holds it uh, behind his back when he comes around, and it just he hides it a little bit longer, and so it seems like it's coming a little bit faster because you don't see it as long. I'm not sure. It's really interesting. I love getting into those kind of things where, you know, it truly is an old scouting thing that, you know, you really have to look deep into it to figure out why guys can't hit a certain pitch from a guy that, you know, if another guy's throwing at the exact same speed, the exact same movement, they can hit it. Um, but his fastball is, I mean, last year was one of the most effective fastballs on the entire team. And, you know, you wouldn't really think about it when you looked at the data, you know, 91 to 94 fastball. Almost everybody on the team can throw that outside of Leak and Arroyo. But right. his was just that good. You know, and I, I'm, I'm going to force myself not to get too upset if this guy doesn't come uh, make the opening day roster because, you know, it was it, it would be a – bad decision, baseball decision, to not have him on the roster, because I think he makes the roster better than any of the guys that he's really sort of competing with. But it may, A, be a good business decision for the Reds. Uh, they would know better than I about uh, options and whether or not they can uh, move somebody else, create a spot for him, and, and help the team otherwise. And, and not having him for a few weeks, you know, probably not going to kill the Reds. But also, you know, remember, even though I thought it was a bad decision not to bring Todd Frazier uh, onto the opening day roster. To start last season, he ended up having a huge impact on what happened with the Reds last year. So just because he doesn't make that opening day roster, J.J. Um, Hoover is going to contribute to this team this year. He's going to make a positive contribution, and he will be on the October uh, postseason roster, assuming the Reds can actually get back to the playoffs. Yep. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I just, I'm just going to leave it with this one last thing. You know, with the pitcher who shall not be named decision, <laughs> they stated that, you know, it was they made that move because it gives them the best chance to win now. And I really don't see an argument where J.J. Hoover being a triple-A helps this team win now. Um, and I, I'm i not going to try and let it bother me too much, but with that rationalization for one move, I feel that it's one that they should have for all of their moves. And, you know, if that means you've got to – you know, figure out how to, you know, lose Logan Andrusik or Alfredo Simon or, you know, Manny Parra, well, then so be it because J.J. Hoover's a lot better than all of those guys, and I really don't think that on a pure talent level anybody's going to argue with that. 
That's a great point, Doug. You know, if if the goal is to win now and your decisions are being made under that prism that we're doing everything we can to win right now because the window is open, uh, you can't justify leaving him behind uh, if if that's your stated rationale. Because this, this kid can pitch and he can, he can, you know, I've seen people suggest, and I absolutely 100% believe that J.J. Hoover could be named closer tomorrow uh, if they'd have put the other guy in the uh, in the rotation. J.J. Hoover could be named closer tomorrow, and he could handle that role in the major leagues this year. That's, that's how highly I think of that kid. That also tells you a little something about what I think about how difficult it is to be an effective closer. I don't think it some, takes some uh, magical uh, fairy dust to be a good closer. But, uh, yeah, you're right. He, he should be on the team if they're, uh, if the goal is to win now. Cause he, makes, he makes them better. Well, we've got two questions left. Um, one from Todd Almighty, which I actually thought this was rather funny, but I think there's a good answer to it. Um, he asks, why Dusty Baker seems to always play the B team when the Reds are on national television? Even during the regular season, it seems that, you know, he always sees, the, you know, half of the backups playing when the Reds are on national TV. Um, my take is, more often than not, when the Reds are on national TV, it's a Sunday night game. And as we all know, Dusty and most managers give plenty of his starters off on Sundays. And I think that that's part of the reason that we see a lot of, I guess, the B team on national television for the Reds because they're not like the Yankees. They're not on Monday night baseball, Wednesday night baseball every other week. The Reds are on national TV three or four times a year, and half of those are probably going to be on Sunday night baseball. And so the Reds are going to play their B team like they generally do on Sundays so that they can get some of the guys two days in a row of rest. Yeah, I mean, Dusty's got to rest his guys. That's part of his job. Is, and, and, and actually, he does, it seems to do a fairly good job, although I would question some of the guys he plays that are on the roster that he plays and the way he plays them, um, although we're not going to talk too much about uh, Willie Harris or Wilson Valdez. I think he's got to rest guys, and, and Dusty does a fairly effective job of, of resting guys, frankly. And so I don't have any... Uh, I don't, I don't have any problem with the way he does it. If he wants to, if he thinks Sunday's the best time to do it, that's why he's paid the big bucks. Uh, I don't know any better, and uh, it's unfortunate that when we get to watch the Reds on ESPN, that we got to watch uh, the B team, as, as Todd put it. But I don't think there's some conspiracy, as was suggested. Um, I just think that uh, it is what it is. That's when he arrests guys. Guys have to have rest. It's a long season, so I, I, I don't lose too much sleep over it. Last one of the night, uh, Reds fan man actually had one more. Um, if Ryan Lovelock struggles, uh, would it moving Todd Frazier to left field and promoting Henry Rodriguez be an option? Um, I'll take this one uh, first sure. just because I've got an opinion on Henry Rodriguez. Um, you know, While it is an option, I'm not sure that it's one that the Reds are going to go down the road for. Um, I think that they view... Rightly, Henry Rodriguez more as a utility player than an everyday starter. Um, While I think the third base is his best defensive position and he can handle that position just fine defensively, I'm just not sure that he's the kind of guy that, you know, you're going to want to play every day at third base just because, you know, he might hit you 10 home runs in a season. And I I think that at this point, teams are looking for more power out of that position. Um, And it's just... I just think that they more view him as a utility guy than an everyday guy, and that it would have to be a really, really, really bad situation where they bring him up to start every day in any of the positions that he plays, you know, unless he makes a dramatic turnaround in skill set this year in AAA. 
Yeah, and, you know, we've had a couple questions now that are presuming, uh, or I guess asking the question, what happens here if Ryan Ludwig struggles? And he may struggle. Um, I don't expect Ryan Ludwig to be a, a world beater this year, but I I think the Reds are going to have an awfully long leash with Ryan Ludwig if he does struggle. He's a veteran guy. He's uh, had some good years in the majors. I'm not sure that, absent some kind of an injury to Ludwig, that this is ever really something that the Reds are going to have to face, in my opinion. Uh, Ludwig's the left fielder. As long as he's healthy, Ludwig is going to be the left fielder. Um, and he'll have to hit awfully poorly to get moved out of that spot. He hit pretty poorly to start the season last year, and they didn't move him out, even though he was uh, he was the new guy and the Reds didn't have a whole lot of uh, – and he was coming off a pretty bad uh, run there in San Diego. And the Reds were patient with him, and uh, I expect that to be the case this year. I, I don't I – don't, these are interesting questions to ask, and I think that's what we do. We talk about the ifs and, and what might happen, but I would be surprised if we ever got to this, the spot where Ryan Lovelock's not your, uh, your starting left fielder, absent injury, obviously. All right, we actually got one more question. I just refreshed the page, and it was just asked, and uh, we'll get to that, and then uh, unless you've got something else, we'll, we'll call it into this show for the night. Sounds good. Um, uh, Richard Fitch, um, he's wondering about all the comments made by Walt Jockety in Friday's press conference about making decisions for this year, yet you know everything that GMs do it's not necessarily about this year, but the future as well, and finding a way to mix, you know, how things, you know, work for both this year and in the future as far as the team's well-being goes. Um, and, you know, Walt went and spent money on the future, you know, locking up this guy and that guy. Um, he wonders, you know, what's up with the seismic shift in the thinking? Why is the future less important now, you know, as compared to, I guess, the way they've approached things in the past? Well, you know, Richard is, uh, hes for those of you who don't know, Richard uh, is one of our editors at uh, redlegnation.com. And uh, I, I know he just asked this question because he wanted to hear my head explode uh, here on uh, uh, over the Internet because we've already really sort of addressed this. Um, I think that the question of whether or not the future is less important now, I think a lot of that can be can uh, go back to the question of whether or not the Reds want to win now. There's a small window of opportunity to win, and so at some point you got to think a little less about the future and a little more about the present. Hey, can we win the World Series this year? But, uh, you know, I don't know if there was a seismic shift in thinking, frankly. In my opinion, Walt still believes that you got to got to look to the future and you got to prepare for the future, and he's done that effectively at a couple different stops in his major league general managerial career. Uh, I just think he lost the uh, internal debate that he says didn't happen. Uh, I think that Dusty Baker does not have to care about the future. Dusty Baker does not care about the future because Dusty Baker will not be with the Reds very far in the future. I mean, you know, his managerial career, his years are limited. Um, he got a two-year extension, obviously, and uh, but he's getting up there in years. And, you know, Dusty needs to worry about what happens now. Dusty's a guy who, is, as a manager, has won a lot of games but has never won the World Series. And so he absolutely uh, has very little interest in the future as, a, uh, as the Cincinnati Reds are concerned. He, his, you know, it's, not un, it's not irrational for Dusty to think this way, uh, but he's, he's concerned about what happens now. And so I think what happens is 
Uh, you got a manager who ha- probably has the ear of the owner, and I think that it was a short-sighted decision, obviously. But I think it was one that the manager, or yes, the manager and the owner probably think that it, this decision uh, with respect to what they've done with the starting rotation. Even though I think it's a silly argument, I think they think that it makes the Red, Reds in a better position to win this year somehow. So um, uh, that's that's sort of my response to, to Richard's question. And I'm now, because he brought up another question that sort of touched on Aroldis Chapman, I'm going to go ahead and ban him from uh, being one of our editors at Red Lake Nation. You had to go and do it, Richard. Uh, <laughs> poor guy. But no, I, I agree with you. I think that you know, I'm not sure there was a really big shift in what they're thinking. I think that it's just a situation where, you know, maybe not as much as it was last year where, you know, they felt they had a good team, but they weren't entirely sure how good of a team they had. Whereas this year, you know, going into the season, I think that the Reds have to feel that they're the favorites in the National League. Um, I know that if, you know, you ask me or you, there would be a few teams up there with the Reds. But from their standpoint, you know, they're the best team, and I'm not sure I'd argue with that at all, even with the decision they made with that guy who we won't talk about anymore. You know, top to bottom, their lineup is full of really good players. I mean, even, you know, we threw all this, you know, all these fits about Mike Leake being in the rotation. He might be the best fit starter in the National League. You know, the Reds are really good at just about every position on the field. Uh, They've got depth, and I think that, you know, they're just, they're just going to go for it this year. They're going to go for it next year. And, you know, planning too far ahead isn't something that's in their, you know, their scope right now because they don't have to plan that far ahead. They're really good right now. And there aren't many teams that are in that situation. So when you get to that point, you know, you have to go for it because you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold even if you plan it perfectly because guys do get hurt. You know, guys do, you know, take a step backwards sometimes they don't progress the way you felt they were going to. So when you've got that opportunity, you're going to take it. And I think that that's kind of the situation that the Reds are in now. Yeah, and, you know, at some point, a lot of teams when they're, you know, the Reds were in that cycle for a while of, you know, you get some good players, you sell them off, you get prospects. It's always searching for prospects, trading guys for prospects. And, and the argument always has been, when does that cycle stop? Well, the Reds are in that uh, situation where they're, uh, the the window is open. They've reached the point where they are competitive, where they really have a legitimate chance to uh, win a World Series. And so at some point, I guess the organization does need to think that the present is a little more important than the future. You can't ignore the future and setting yourself up to be uh, good for years down the road, which is why I thought putting Chapman in the rotation, I'm sorry about mentioning his name again, but putting that, that other guy in the rotation, I thought it gave him a chance not only to be competitive this year, but in the next three or four years, it sets him up a lot better to be, uh, you know, uh, a competitive team, a multi-year run of World Series contenders. Uh, that's my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. But uh, definitely at some point you do have to start thinking about the present more than the future. And, and I think it's a gradual change rather than a seismic shift. But uh, I don't fault the Reds if they are in sort of a win-now uh, mode because, hey, uh, when when else to do it other than now when uh, you may have the best team in the National League? Yeah, I mean, one other thing that, you know, the Reds aren't ignoring the future, I guess, because, I mean, if they were really just going to go all in for right now, you know, they'd package Billy Hamilton and Robert Stevenson right now and get a true superstar in 
who's on a, he's got one year left on his contract or something and just totally go for it. And they're not going to do something like that. They're still planning for the future. They're just not, I guess, uh, I don't know how to put this, you know, planning three or four years down the road. Um, you know, they're going to do a little bit of both, but they're going to focus a little bit more on the right here, right now, whereas, you know, as you said, you know, when you're not winning, you focus three, four, five years down the road with the moves you make. Yeah, thankfully they don't have to do that now. Uh, they can uh, they can look towards the four or five months down the road to see where we are. So that's that's exciting as a Reds fan. Uh, it should be exciting for everyone. Yeah, hopefully this year works out exactly as the Reds, you know, I guess planned it to um, with the moves that they made and the decisions they made. But, uh, you know, at the end of the year, you know, if we get to put up that banner that says World Series Champions 2013 – I'm not going to be too upset about the way that things turned out. Well, and that's, and, and you know, I, I did have this one last thing uh, before we finished that I wanted to wanted to say, and this is a, a, a good as good a time as any based upon what you just said. You know, I'm very frustrated with this decision that we had made this week, and everybody's heard me rant about it here today. And it, you know, it is what it is. I'm not, uh, I think it was the wrong decision for a number of reasons, but. Um, even if this is the wrong decision, Aroldis Chapman is still a very good pitcher. Uh, the bullpen is going to be great. This team is going to be fantastic. Maybe a little bit of my anticipation for the year has been dulled, uh, so to speak, because part of what I was really excited to see this year was how uh, he, who's not to be named, was going to develop as a starter. Um, but there are so many reasons to be excited about this Cincinnati Reds team this year, uh, even as currently configured um, this team is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Hey, I love watching. Uh, you know when they they play the music and Chapman comes marching in from the bullpen, and they, that's uh, and you're at the park and everybody's going nuts. I, you know, I'm not immune from that. I, I, that's that's great stuff. It's a lot of fun. There are a lot of things about this team that are going to be a lot of fun to watch. We got to watch Joey Votto every day, and that's just an absolute pleasure. I can't believe we've had a podcast about uh, or we've talked uh, for over an hour about the Reds, and we've barely mentioned Joey Votto. Uh, we've got. Guys that can hit the ball. We've got young guys that are exciting. We've got pitchers that are fantastic and, and should only get better. There are a lot of reasons to be excited about this year. So even if I've uh, ranted a little bit and uh, I'm not happy with this one particular decision, i, I, I got to make it clear. This should be and could be a very, very fun year uh, as a Reds fan, we hope, as you noted earlier, that this is one of those years that we're going to be talking about for decades, like that 1990 team. It could happen. This team is uh, this team is good enough to win the World Series. Now, I can't say they will because obviously it's a crapshoot once you get to the playoffs. But what more can you ask for than to have your favorite team, the team we spend all these hours talking about and writing about and thinking about, to have them have, be a legitimate contender for the World Series? Um, that's a fun thing to me, and uh, I'm not going to let uh, certain decisions that are made that I don't agree with. Uh, it's not going to affect my enjoyment of the Reds. I love this team, uh, and I'm very excited to watch them play. All right, well, on that note, uh, after an hour and 23 minutes, uh, we're going to end this show. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Red Lake Nation Radio.